Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. If you can monitor the heartbeat of my mum, I could imagine it has its ups and downs. Beating excitedly when she sees her daughter achieve victory at rowing, and maybe a similar rhythm when she's angry at her for leaving her washing line around. And then there's the time she gets gender-affirming surgery when she's 19. But this isn't my mum's heartbeat, it's mine. And as stressful as the situations I've exposed her to over the years, I know at the end of the day all she wanted to make sure of was that if I was producing one sound, it was this one. Kia ora, I'm Joseph Stockhausen, and this is the podcast where my mum and I take you on the journey we embarked on when I came out as transgender. So if you're here because you know of someone in a similar situation, or maybe it's you, then welcome. And if you're here because you have no idea about all of this, well... Thank you. We made this with you in mind. It's still me. Nothing's changed. Just little parts of me are rearranged. I'm still here. So are you. We've got so much growing left to do. This is more than just a kid and a parent. Let's be transparent. Kia and welcome back to Let's Be Transparent. I'm Joseph Stockhausen, a trans guy who's done with transitioning, actually. On this episode, we're talking about the physical aspects of transitioning and the assessments, both medical and psychological, required to make sure you're making what we call in the trans world an informed decision. It's not about being right or wrong, just making sure you have all your questions answered and that you've asked yourself some important questions as well. There's always one question that pops into everyone's mind when someone comes out as transgender. What's Timmy going to look like as Tamantha? But for families, it's a bigger worry. That your loved one is so uncomfortable in the body they were born in that they have to change it to really be themselves. Instinctively, it's an alien concept. And what's even more alienating is having to traverse this road with no headlights. Today, we're shedding a little light on the matter going to the professionals to get a troubleshooting guide on Aotearoa's health system when transitioning. Just a note that when we're referencing medical transition, we're not limiting that to surgery. We're covering everything, medication, hormone therapy, as well as surgery. Everyone's medical transition looks different. We don't all need to do every surgery out there to be comfortable in our own skin. Heck, it might not even be in the cards. 
Instead, we're going to discuss the procedures inside our medical centres. Procedures that can look like barriers, and sometimes are, but are also there to make sure you and your family are making the best informed decision. To help understand how to get to that point, I'm on a Zoom call with Dr. Rachel Johnson, a current superstar in New Zealand's health system for trans and gender diverse youth. Yeah, so my name's Rachel Johnson and I use she, her pronouns and I am a doctor, I'm a paediatrician and an adolescent health specialist and I work out in South Auckland at the Centre for Youth Health. I guess I spend an awful lot of time following the evidence and so the you know the scientific research around this and we get to go to conferences and connect with people throughout the world it's really important that we do keep ourselves really informed so that we can make sure that everyone's getting the most up-to-date and best information to do things. So what should parents and gender diverse youth expect coming into this process? Okay, so we work as a team. So we usually work with a doctor and then we've got another health professional. So that might be a nurse or a social worker or an occupational therapist because the idea is that we have two people that works with the young, you know, can see the young person. And then also we can do the family support alongside. We are also wanting to hear about that young person's gender story, how they came to be where they are. So we do ask that information, but we're really clear that, you know, that young person is the expert on themselves and everyone's gender journey and story is different. So it's, you know, that's why we're asking, you know, around that to see where, how their story is and what support they might need. They provide an evidence-based approach to informing everyone involved. It doesn't start at a medical centre located three hours away either. The first step is closer to home. Going to see your GP, they... In in each different region, they can find out about what are the next available services. There is a lot of focus on providing information for GPs so they can give lots of information before, you know, families even get to our service. I think sometimes there is anticipation and hopes that, oh, you know, I might get on hormones, you know, that first clinic appointment. But in reality, we have to do things really We have to do things safely and carefully. And so that does take a number of appointments usually to get to that place. If you're wanting to know what GPs are out there, check out Gender Minorities Aotearoa's website. They have medical professionals recommended from people who have gone through this process. But what about in the meantime? A young person's got to take it at the pace that they want to. So, you know, they've always got to lead and do things when they feel ready. And yeah, you know, a GP, as I said, can think about um, providing support around menses cessation because I think there's a lot of conceptions that young people all need to go on a puberty blocker when in actual fact they're not actually helpful for everybody and there are other things that can be used that might have less side effects and be more beneficial. So checking in with the GP around that is really useful. So puberty blockers, what are they and what do they do? GNRH agonists is what we, we, we use for short, but they're a medication that puts puberty on pause and they've been used for years for much younger kids to if they if children went into puberty early they were used traditionally then so on children of much younger ages than when we use them and I guess by stopping puberty what that means is that a young person doesn't have to keep experiencing ongoing changes that are distressing so you know if They go on to them when in earlier puberty, it might stop voice dropping, facial hair, 
um, or it might stop chest development, which, you know, can be obviously very important. Um, So it is a really useful medication that I guess buys time. Um, Unlike testosterone and estrogen, it doesn't cause any permanent effects. So if someone decided that actually, you know, I'm, I've, I'm, as they grow and mature, they decide that actually, no, I'm okay with letting those changes happen. They can come off the blocker and just let those changes happen. And we've seen that with young people. So blockers are not setting the gender journey. They're just allowing time for a young person to grow and mature. Um, and then they may go on to make decisions around hormones if that's their right, you know, the right journey for them. You might be asking at this point, well, what's the point of them then? What is really interesting, we don't see a lot of kids around that quite early age. Usually they're hitters when they've gone through a lot of puberty. So that's, you know, when I'm saying that for some, like for trans mask folk, if they've, you know, beyond a couple of years after periods, they may not, you know, there's not an awful lot of benefit to a blocker. There are other things to stop periods. Um, whereas trans feminine folk, you will, you know, you carry on, can use it throughout those teen years. We're hearing blockers are the temporary band-aid to the dysphoria problem. So a kid can grow a little more, mature a little more, and then decide later on where they want to go. Dysphoria can hit anyone at any age. The evidence of that will be clear in next week's episode on parenting. So what does the medical transition look like? Puberty blockers aren't for every youth. What else is out there, like gender-affirming hormone therapy or otherwise known as hormone replacement therapy? Hormones change the body physically for example estrogen will help do things like soften the skin cause facial feminization and give breasts so it gives physical changes that help people feel more themselves and it's not that we want people to feel they've got to fit into some cisgender idea or goal but it's about taking a medication that makes them feel you know helps them you know feel true to who they are and feel better um from hormones for testosterone that is an injection and i um, i guess with the effects that happen with that there are things like your voice dropping facial hair growing in and those things are permanent so again that's why it's really important that people understand that you know how long it takes for those effects and um, yeah, and all the information, because I guess all medications do have some risk of side effects as well. So we do, yeah, we're there to provide all the information so people can do this and do it safely. And the same process goes for surgery. There's discussion, time, psychological evaluation, and the team there to support the change. But this is still a lot for someone to figure out. What if you're still concerned that this may be a phase? I think that's a really common fear for families. That's why I guess coming into a service that's going to kind of provide support to make sure they do take their time and that they are, I guess, mature enough about making those decisions. But I guess one thing we'd talk about is in all the years that I've been working in healthcare, in gender affirming care, it's seeing those positive journeys that people make. And I'm looking at the evidence that we have Overall, it's around about 1% of people actually regret that, you know, if for want of a better word, transitioning. However, a lot of people when you kind of, you know, it's not, some people might stop hormones at a later point or, um, you know, 
and, and that doesn't mean to say that that journey up till then was the wrong journey for them. So I guess I think it's really important to think that gender can continue to move and change throughout life. But um, you can't, when dysphoria is there, you know, you can't sit back and just do nothing because that's actually really harmful as well. I think it's quite common that parents are pretty, you know, can be quite worried. And the other thing, they're often like quite they're on the journey as well. We kind of reassure them, you know, it's not just the young person on this journey, they're on this journey too, but they're often quite a bit behind. You know, when a young person comes out to their family, they've usually been processing this for quite some time. So I, what I would say to families is, you know, just be kind to yourself. I am keep supporting your young person, let them know that you love and care about them, that you might not understand everything yet, but you're going to be there to walk alongside. And and also to be reassured when young people come into medical services, you know, they're not being pushed off, you know, rushed into things. We're there to help everybody understand and take their time. That brings us to our next professional, Lyndon Moore a counsellor who has been working with trans and gender diverse youth for a decade in this field. His office is located in an old fire station in South Auckland by a busy road with a fair amount of traffic from trucks and industrial vehicles. But step off the street and through the doors and the transgender flag is prominently on display in the foyer. I know this place well because Lyndon was my counsellor before I embarked on hormones and surgery. And sure, I'm incredibly grateful to him and what he does for people in transition. It's quite simple really, it's, it's to support them, uh, support them in their process. Um, what it is not um, is, and this is what I explained to, to people, is not, not gatekeeping um, and it's not making the decision for them. And so we'll sit down and um, have a conversation about um, their process, about their plan, um, and supporting them through that. So if they need additional support, we talk about what that can look like um, and then how we can access that. Um, and if they've got support in place, just making sure that that feels like there's enough there. Lyndon is a part of that psychological evaluation we were talking about. He talks to people who want to get on gender-affirming medications or surgeries. He's there to make sure informed consent has been given but also to get to know where his patients are at in their gender journey and support their well-being. Sometimes there's people who um, are really firm in their mind that they're ready to start hormones, um, or sometimes I'm talking about preparing for surgeries. Um, and so, so it's about just putting that in place and getting really clear around that. Other times people are earlier on in the process um, and they're thinking about how do I have these conversations uh, with my friends or with my family? What, is, what does gender even mean? Um, and how do I identify? Because there's, there's so much language out there uh, for people to try and make sense of um, where they're at and, and what this all means. So no transition is the same. You're going with the pace of the trans person. A medical transition can come first and you let the dominoes fall where they may. I say to people, have a conversation with your friends and family that this is going to happen. Um, or if you're more comfortable to wait um, and people start to notice the changes, then they can ask them, hey, I've noticed something's um, different about you, but I can't quite 
tell what it is, then have the conversation at that point. And so it's really important just to be aware of when you want to do that or when you want to have that conversation. There's no right or wrong in, in how that occurs or when that occurs, but it's really important that the individual does it in their time and on their terms. Whether you're a trans person coming out to friends or a parent having that conversation with other family members, Fano is an important part of this process. Support is key through the whole process, uh, whether it's about beginning hormones, whether it's about um, surgeries, whether about, it's about just getting on with life. It's making sure that um, that individual has good supports around them. And, and we know this for ourselves in life. You know, we, we can't do life on our own. Uh, we need others. Uh, we're social creatures. And so this is no different. Particularly in this process, especially in this process where people are transitioning, they really need um, that communication um, from, from parents, um, from friends, from family that say, I see you for who you are, I accept you for who you are, you're okay. But like we've talked about on this podcast already, the support goes both ways. Your young person might be at the centre of all that's happening in this journey, but parents need and deserve the support to make sure they don't fall into all too common thought processes that can be less than helpful. In life, um, change is challenging, and so it's important to get good information in that change process. Don't play the blame game. This is not about anybody's fault at all. This is about an individual um, learning about who they are. And so the best thing that you can do is join them um, in that process of understanding um, who they are, um, asking questions. And look, there's, there are going to be times when the answers aren't going to be clear. Um, and so that's when, again, we lean into the supports um, we talk to each other about what's going on and, and, and be honest. What we want to be able to do is normalise um, that, that identity transitioning is something that, that does occur um, and it occurs more often than what we realise. Um, and so being able to engage and support networks that will connect you with other parents who are experiencing and going through the same process um, is really important. Um, and that, that they are out there and that they're willing to um, have conversations and, and come alongside you. Just as probably at one point down the future um, that you as a new parent are going to be in that position to offer support um, to others. And so, yeah, pay it forward. There's a range of really great parent support groups around the country, and to help put you in contact, we've put a few of them upon our website, which you can find at transparentpodcast.nz. Hey Joe, if any of the people listening know about some other groups, you should put them onto the webpage. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, okay. If you know of any groups not listed on our site, just hit the contact link on the site and just let us know, and we'll love to include them. Thanks, Ma. Well, I do have a few good ideas now and then. Now... Are you ready to have a chat about all of this in the car? Actually, I am. Let's roll. Just before I jump in the car with mum, something you'll hear us talk about is T. T is short for testosterone, which is the male hormone I took to transition. How was your day? 
Uh, it was good, yeah. We um, had a chat with Lyndon. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. Lyndon. My, um, <clears throat> my counsellor. Yeah, no, I, I know Lyndon. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. How did they go? He... It, it was good. It was good seeing him again. Um, it's weird because, like, the last time I was <laughs> in his office, um, I was, like, finishing up to get uh, hormone therapy. That's um, right. So, I don't know. I, yeah, it's really weird. And he was, like, super cool to, to chat with him again. Yeah, no, I, he, do you, I don't know if you know this, but he was real... He was kind of an important person in my understanding of where you were at because um, I don't know if we talked about this before but you know I was very much in this is a phase and you going to Lyndon, Lyndon was going to tell me this is a phase Okay. and that you were you know um, this is a common thing and you go through phases and so I was um, when you finished all your sessions you know I was kind of perplexed because I said you know, he goes, oh, you know, he, he was like, hi, you know, um, wow, you know, you have brought up an incredible um, person. You know, your your teenager is amazing, um, really knows themselves. And in my mind, all I was thinking, yeah, but you fixed him, right? You fixed, you know, you fixed her, you fixed her. This is the phase. And, and so he was like giving you glowing, these glowing recommendations about how amazing you were. And I was like, <clears throat> yeah, but... But um, when are you going to tell me that this is a phase? Every parent thinks it's a phase. And um, he was like, so I said, oh, well, but have you fixed him, right? And he sort of laughed and sort of said, well, no, you know. Well, she she is the best person who knows her body. Like, she knows exactly who she wants to be um, or he wants to be. And... um, She's transgender. And, you know, that took me back. But what really sort of settled everything for me was the the comment about the fact that you know your body better than anyone else. And I was like, oh, my God, of course. Of course you know your body better than anyone else. Well, that was a turning point for you and, and for me in my transition because that's when we started to actually have productive conversations about well, because the bef- medicalization. Yeah, of because it. I didn't know anything. So I needed to go to an expert who, you know, who worked in this space to tell me what the next step was. Yeah. And that reassurance from him just settled everything for me. Okay, this is the way. Okay. So we're doing this. This is what I'm doing. This isn't a phase. This this is this is the path that I'm on so he basically pointed the light down the path you go this way ma'am and I was like okay yeah so that basically sorted that out yeah I was still like apprehensive as a parent with you putting stuff into your body but that was the course that you were going on like do you know what I mean so I was the only thing I was worried about at that first session was would you have a reaction to it okay yeah you know as a parent any you know, putting something in your body, I was more about that, not apprehensive about the changes that were going to go for you, I thought, I was very settled about that, because that was, you know, and that was why, you know, you going to the counsellor, and me getting advice from him as well, that sorted that all out, because someone had told me, yes, 
this is the way you're, this is, this is, yeah, yeah, this is the way. Um, so yeah, I know I was fine about that. Lyndon was, was really good because he asked me one question that I, that stuck with me and that stuck throughout my transition. Um, and that was, when are you done? You know, when, when, like, what medical changes do you have to go through for you to be comfortable in your body? And until he asked me that, I never thought about what the end goal was. I, I knew I didn't want my chest anymore, um, that I wanted my voice deep, that I wanted to physically be, um, like a boy, but I didn't think about, I never really thought about how that actually looked like. Um, Mm. and it's like, like when I went, when I went back to him, like done in my transition, like I'm fully comfortable now with, with everything that I have. Mm. Um, it just felt very full circle, but. I'll never forget after you had your tea, um, well, going to get it, the excitement that you were going to get it. Yeah. But after you had it, you instantly changed. It was like... And the thing is, I didn't notice how repressed... I think that's the word, repressed, you were? Like how... It, it, it was almost like you had the weight of the world on your shoulders before you had your first injection. And then after you, it was on, you were like, it was almost like everything was lifted. You were on the right path and you could tell in the way you walked, the way you, your shoulders lifted and, you know, and I was like, huh, we are on the right path. That was like, for me, that was, this is, yeah, that was, that I had made the right decisions. It definitely helped when I started to pass with my, my, my voice changes, um, and I started to pass around people, like they would refer to me as a guy and I'll you know, I'd be able to socialise with other with other dudes. Yeah. Um and and sort of just be just in that in that space and I've never really felt that before. So a lot of my confidence came from um, you know, those experiences. Mm. Um But insane insane like how awesome it was to get on testosterone. The the biggest change that we that that I definitely wanted was my top surgery, my chest reconstruction. Oh, you wanted to get your chicken fillets taken off. <laughs> yes. Don't call them that. It's the I, that's what I call oh, them. So gross. The chicken fillets. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. Yeah, and that was a massive change. I mean, gosh, the the long process of um, getting that 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 was, you know, it was you th- months. Yeah months it was way longer than months it was well over a year because the first um we put you as soon as you had said this is the next step we went to the doctors to get a referral so that you could go down that path and i think we got two rejection letters um because you weren't you were actually in a good mental space that's that's the thing is now that i think about it i wasn't in a good mental space i was well, you were in a declining. you were in a lot better space than you were before you went tea. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know those t- and no, but once you got those rejections, mm. you really spiraled quickly because that was the next goal for you, and it looked like it was never going to happen. Um, that was a difficult time because um, it was really hard. Yes, um, and then that phone call came in, so I was like, thank the Lord. 
I instantly felt on cloud nine. Yeah. The the amount of dysphoria that I had in those past months just washed away. Like, it didn't even exist for me anymore. As soon as I had that phone call, as soon as it was confirmed that yeah. I was going to have my chest reconstruction surgery, it was just... I was so at peace. Yeah. Um, I then you tell a story heard... about when you came out. Oh, yeah. Joe came out and uh, with his nurses, and he was still drugged up, and he goes to me, Ma, the nurses are hot. Oh, my God, did I say that? Yes. Oh, and no. I was like, what the hell? I, they were good-looking nurses. They were yeah. very good-looking nurses. Yeah. It's awesome to laugh about what Ma and I went through. It didn't always feel funny at the time, but the memories we have looking back on my transition are good ones. Good, because even with the challenges we faced, we supported each other to find the answers that each of us needed. Answers that ultimately helped us to the place we are now. On the next episode of Let's Be Transparent, we're looking at transition from the perspective of parents and what their journey in this space is really like. A big thanks to today's guests, Dr. Rachel Johnson, she, her, and Lyndon Moore, he, him. Thanks again for listening. I hope you're enjoying the series so far. If you've got any questions or want more information on anything you've heard, we've put together a whole list of resources from each episode on our website, transparentpodcast.nz. Let's Be Transparent is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you've enjoyed listening, then I'd be really grateful if you gave us a rating and leave a review. Let's Be Transparent was created and presented by me, Joseph Stockhausen, he, him, and my mum, Pauline Stockhausen, she, her. Our theme song was written and performed by Maxwell Apps, they, them. The executive producer was Tim Watkin, he, him. This podcast was produced and made by the team at Motuehe Group for Radio New Zealand. Also, a huge thanks to Radio New Zealand's Liz Garten, she, her, for all of her awesome advice putting this all together. This is more than just a kid and a parent. Let's be transparent.